0: Good morning church. Good morning. You know, just after we learn to talk, we learn to do this. It's been called strategic misrepresentation or reality augmentation or terminological inexactitude. Go look up those words later. Preachers call it evangelistically speaking. What is it? Lying. Lying. I read that there was a pub in the tiny Scottish village of Daltry that hosted an annual liars contest. And apparently, each contestant had five minutes to tell some whopper of a story to a crowd of people as judges weighed in on the best lie told. And as the story goes, in the first seven years of the contest, Fraser Patrick McKinnon won for seven straight years. And after winning for seven straight years, he decided it was time to kind of retire from the contest. And so when it was turned to speak, he stood up and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I regret I cannot enter the contest this year as I cannot tell a lie. And with that, he won again for the eighth time. <laughs> Dr. Leonard Keeler was the man who invented the lie detector. And after interviewing over 25,000 people in the lie detector machine, he made a a startling conclusion about the human race. It was quite astute and very probing. Do you know what his conclusion was? People lie. (laughs) Well, surprise, surprise. Because results of surveys show that the majority of us find it hard to get through one week without lying. One in five people surveyed that they can't make it through a single day. 60% of people said that they lie at least once during a 10-minute conversation. So, I only have nine-minute conversations. No, I'm just kidding. Over 90% of Americans admit to lying routinely, and 36% of these same people say that they tell big lies that hurt others. People-pleasers lie so that others will like them and won't get mad at them. Control people lie so that they are not put at a disadvantage. Wrongdoers lie so they won't get caught. Self-righteous people lie to keep up the appearances. Gossipers lie to boost their own self-image. People in high positions lie to promote their own agenda. Businesses lie to make more money. Politicians lie to get elected. Advertisers lie to sell their product. People pad their resumes, falsify research, misrepresent facts, go back on their word, are two-faced, refuse to say the needful, hardful thing because they don't want to pay the price for telling the truth. Truth be told, we all struggle with lying. I've had people say to me, one thing I don't do is lie. (laughs) And I say, well, there's your first one. We're in the book of Proverbs, it's been quite a study, we've looked at sexuality, we've looked at guarding the heart, we've looked at pride and humility and and, and then we looked at anger and and we looked at the point of it all is that you're not the point of it all, but God is, fear Him. Today we take on the subject of truth-telling, we're going to squirm a little bit today. So look with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, we continue in our study in Proverbs. And our primary passage today will be in Proverbs chapter 12, 17 through 22. And I encourage you to follow along with me as we're going to be reading this in a moment. But as you're looking and going to Proverbs chapter 12, I want to note here that in the time in which Proverbs were were written, That the people of God were people of the ear rather than people of the eye. Now what I mean by that is that the vast majority of transactions, transactions were never recorded uh, and only spoken. In ancient times, there were very few written documents for contracts and bills. Truth-telling was the stuff a stable society was built upon. And in those days, for the society to function well, they were dependent on honest words. Your word had to be your bond. Not so today. If you were to appear in a small claims court based on nothing but, he said he'd finish the job, or he said he'd pay me back, they wouldn't hold up. The judge would ask, did you get that in writing? All right, it's truth-telling that big a deal. Follow along with me. Proverbs chapter 12, picking it up at verse 17. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There's deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. Verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men and people who are truthful. Now, I want to draw out three principles from this section in Proverbs. I'm going to include other Proverbs on this subject of honesty as well. But principle number one, principle number one is truth-telling is a breath of fresh air. Truth-telling is a breath of fresh air. Go back with me to verse 17 again. It says, a truthful witness gives honest testimony but a false witness tells lies. Literally, that verse reads, he who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. And the word for speaks there means to breathe. To breathe. It refers to how we breathe out. We are to, we are to breathe out what, what is right, not only in specific life situations, but in all of life. So what kind of words do we breathe out throughout the day? Do people say of you, now there is an honest person? There's a person you can believe. We've been conditioned in our society to accept dishonesty kind of with a shrug of the shoulders and say, yeah, it's just the way it is. Everybody's dishonest today. You can't come by honesty at all. That's why Billy Joel wrote, uh, honesty is such a lonely word. Everything, everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard. I don't want some pretty face to tell me pretty lies. All I wanted is someone to believe. And in a society founded on shifting sand, We, as the people of God, are to be a breath of fresh air as we speak truth, as we hold faithfully to God's word as our source of absolute truth and what is right. So, when it comes to your words, are you a breath of fresh air? Are you speaking truth? Notice the second half of verse 17. It shows us another kind of words that we can breathe out. It says, a false witness tells lies, or better translated, speaks deceit. And it speaks of a false witness, which was used for one who lied on the stand. Often in Proverbs, the picture is of a witness in court. Proverbs uh, 14.25, for example. Proverbs 14.25 says, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Now, what is it about their testimony that is false? Their intent to deceive. Now, this, this helps me to define lying. Now, you may have a different definition of, of lying. You can pursue that. Uh, but here's my definition of lying. We lie when we deliberately attempt to deceive when we intentionally mislead others, which can include distorting truth or withholding truth for the purpose to deceive, that is lying. The word deceit is at the center of all that. It's used further down in Proverbs chapter 12 verse 20. It says there is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil. Deception That really gets to the motivation behind our lying, right? It's to deceive someone in some way. At the heart of lying is the intent to deceive. There were children of a prominent family who decided they wanted to give their dad a a special book of, of the family's history, of their family's history, for Father's Day gift. And so they hired this professional biograph, biographer to do the work. And, and as they researched the family's history, it was revealed that one of their uncles had been executed in the electric chair for murder. The family, <laughs> they didn't really want to include this in the book and their family history. They wondered how they could get that guy's name out of there. But the biographer assured the children, no, I can handle that situation so there'll be no embarrassment so the biographer wrote of this relative who was executing an electric chair for murder this way. He said, Uncle Harry occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. <laughs> now get this. He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties and his death came as a real shock. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty creative. What a twist though of words. Now we laugh at that. But how often have we spoken in a way that obscured the real meaning of what we're saying? You see, even a truth designed to deceive is still a lie. The main reason we lie is because in some way we're trying to be deceitful, right? Deceit can take many forms. It isn't always the deliberate falsehood that manifests itself in lying. We can do this in many ways. Augustine said there are eight different kinds of lies. Mark Twain said there are 869 different kinds of lies. Fortunately for you, I'm not that ambitious. I'm just going to mention a few of them. And they all fit under what I think verse 18 is talking about when it says reckless words pierce like a sword. They're words spoken in haste and they are meant to, 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 to be that sword that drives into you and to hurt you. All right, we lie by exaggeration. First thing, we lie by exaggeration. There was, there, was an, there was a Mainer and an Alaskan who were talking to each other about how cold it was where they lived. And the Alaskan said, where I live it was so cold that the candle froze and we couldn't blow it out. And that's pretty cold. And the Mainer replied, oh yeah, that's nothing. Where I come from it was so cold one winter that the words froze right in our mouths. We had to wait until spring to find out what we'd been talking about all winter. Now, that's an exaggeration. We kind of go, well, that's not really big deal. We kind of get used to exaggerations, right? And, and sports commentators do it all the time. That was the best catch ever, really ever. I heard one announcer for the baseball team, the Texas Rangers, refer to the center fielder who ran a long way to make a catch and saying he had to run halfway through Texas to catch that ball. Really? Now, those instances are no big deal, really. They're statements that are obvious to all in order to make a point. That's okay. But just be aware of how it can show up and it isn't so funny. That they can be reckless words that pierce like a sword. I mean, we love to exaggerate. Someone quipped, I don't exaggerate, I just remember big. No, you're exaggerating, it's a lie. So be careful not to exaggerate the good old days or the way things used to be or inflate what someone did or said. Things like, you know, everyone feels the same way I do. Or things were so much better years ago, jab, jab. Or you're never here for me, you're never here here for me when i need you which translated means not as much as i'd like or expect never you're always those reckless words are spoken to demean the other person to hurt the other person to beat the other person up these little jabs or maybe maybe you do that to manipulate to get something that you want Well, it's an exaggeration with its intent to mislead. Call it what it is, lying. All right, another way we can lie is by our silence. Is by our silence. Go with me at Proverbs 21, verse 28. I want us to see this. Go to Proverbs 21, verse 28. There's a couple of Proverbs that speak to this. Proverbs 21, verse 28. It says, a false witness will perish, now catch this, and whoever listens to him will be destroyed forever. Do you see what this is saying? When you're present, and something is said about someone else that you know is not true, and you say nothing, is it not the same as, as you told the lie yourself? Proverbs would say, yes, it is the same. Look at 17 verse four. Proverbs 17 verse four. Another one that speaks to this issue of silence. We can lie by our silence. Proverbs 17:4. It says, "An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous or malicious tongue." We can, tell, we can lie to ourselves that we are not involved because we are only listening. But listeners are involved. Interestingly, in in Jewish law, a person who refuses to give evidence when he has evidence to give is condemned as severely as the one who gives false evidence. For example, in Leviticus chapter 5 verse 1, you can just listen, it's going to be on the screen. Leviticus 5 verse 1. It says, if a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. By our silence, our intent is to mislead. How many times have we lied by not speaking up in defense of someone? Can you think of a time when others around you were gossiping or, or spreading rumors or tearing someone else apart and you chose to say nothing? We can lie by our silence. I mean, have you ever thought of it that way? So be careful what you listen to. Gossip needs to be checked. Don't believe everything you hear. Because there are those whose favorite hymn is, I love to tell the story. And do they ever? They tell one story after another. Church, don't listen to it. Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. I've said this before. You know the best way to stop, a go- to stop gossip? Don't listen to it. Be a breath of fresh air, refuse to be involved in it. See, we can lie by our silence. We can lie by exaggeration. Thirdly, let me just give you one more. We can lie by, by uh, innuendo. By innuendo, when, when we're selective about the truth. In other words, we pass on certain details, but not the whole story, so that we create a false impression. There were these two men who worked on a large ocean-going vessel. And one day, the mate, who normally did not drink, he became intoxicated. The captain, who couldn't stand this guy, he entered in the daily log, mate, drunk today. He knew this was his first offense, but he didn't care. He wanted to get him fired. The mate was aware of the captain's evil intent, and he he begged him to change the record. And the captain replied, no, 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 it's a fact, and into the log it goes. Well, a few days later, the mate was the one keeping charge of the log, and he wrote in the daily log, Captain, sober today. <clears throat> Think about that. Realizing the implications of this statement, the captain asked that it be removed, and in reply the mate said, it's a fact, and into the log it goes. Huh. Have you ever justified your lie by saying, technically, I told the truth. I mean, I know what you're saying, but technically, I told the truth. Technically. (laughs) If you have to say technically, I told the truth, likely you know you're only speaking half of the truth, or you know you were leaving that person with an impression that was false. Is your intent to deceive in any way? Technically, that is lying. We lie, we de- deliberately attempt to deceive. All right. Now, I almost didn't go down this road, but I just want to clear one thing up here because whenever we talk about lying, it, people always ask me the question, is it ever right to lie? I and mean, It really goes beyond the scope of my purposes today, but just let me quickly touch on this. I believe, I believe that there are inconsequential social settings like playing a game... Right? You play the game of chess and you don't lie or deceive at all. Or you play another game and you don't deceive. I mean, it's not going to be very successful, right? It's inconsequential social setting. Or maybe you're planning a surprise party. Huh. Or your use of humor. If you don't have a little evident, de- a little thing of a deceive in there, the punchline's not going to be very funny. I don't believe any of those things qualify as sinful deception. It actually trivializes the weighty demands of being truthful as is the case with the acts of deception that are used in times of war, such as ambushes and and camouflage and, and spying and other deceptive strategies to gain an advantage. I mean, obviously, for any of those strategies to be effective, there's a certain amount of lying and deception involved, right? And so it is possible, it is possible to be a person who fears the Lord, like the Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1, and acts of faith like Rahab and, and Joshua chapter 2, and yet feel constrained in extreme life-threatening situations to oppose evil by lying. Perhaps the explanation, I believe, has to do with our being under no obligation to tell the truth to those with evil intentions to harm, like an intruder or some criminal. Come once, come in your home, and say, hey, is anybody else in your house? Sure, they're right upstairs. Go to the door to your left. You'll find them. That's crazy. Make any sense? With those exceptions aside, practice honesty. Be a breath of fresh air. Speak the truth. All right, principle number two. I'm not going to spend as much time on these last two. But principle number two is truth will outlive lies. Truth will outlive lies. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 19. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Now, when it says there, lasts only a moment, it means the same as our expression, blink of an eye. Literally, it says, till I blink again. That's how long lying lasts, till I blink again. That's not very long. Lying in order to get out of a jam or get us out of trouble or to make ourselves look good, It's temporary. Lying, even if it suits our purposes for the moment, won't last. Are you afraid of what might happen if you tell the truth? Are you fabricating excuses for what you did wrong? Have you been given some phony reasons for your whereabouts when questioned by your spouse or your teacher or a boss or, or your parents? Did you call in sick? I know I'm meddling here. Did you call in sick when the beach or round of golf looked attractive? All right, have you, have, you ever, have you ever faked appointments on your calendar so you didn't have to accept an invitation you didn't want to go to? Ugh. Can we stop? I mean, it may work, but it lasts only a moment, it has no lasting value. And because a lie lasts only a moment, you must tell another one to cover that first one. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, a lie is like a snowball. The longer it's rolled on the ground, the larger it becomes. See, because of the temporary nature of it, we must keep the lie going with other temporary lies in order for it to survive. I believe, uh, dates me for sure, but I believe it was Lay's potato chips that used the line, you can't just eat one. Well, that's true of lying. You can't just keep it to one. That's why it's true where it says the difference between a person who tells the truth and one who lies is the liar has to have a better memory. What a way to live. See, lying not only hurts others, it hurts ourselves. The cost of lying is freedom as we must engross ourselves in it. We become enslaved to the lie. And here's the scary part. We can fabricate our lives in such a way that we no longer know who we are. We can even deceive ourselves into thinking that all is good when the reality is we have been able to fool everybody but the one who matters the most God. You can fool everybody, I'm going to heaven. Who cares? You gain the whole world and lose your soul. Matters you if you can fool God or not. And you can't. Is it time to get honest? See, compared to eternity, living a lie is temporary. Truth is eternal, it says. Truth will outlive lies. This means that we speak truth, even if it's met with, with resistance, we can rest assured the ultimate truth, that ultimately truth will prevail. We speak truth, we're speaking something that's not just for the moment. Speaking the truth, even it might be unpopular, has lasting value. Truth will last forever. So we should have an eye on eternity when we breathe out words. You want to speak in a way that will be blessed forever? Speak truth, God's truth. All right, i got to give you principle three. It's a very obvious one. Truth pleases God. Yep, expecting me to say that one. Truth pleases God. Chapter 12, verse 22. Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Now remember, poetry rhymes ideas. The idea that's rhymed here is, is use of contrast. The contrast between what God hates and what God delights in. What does God hate? Lying lips. We see it in the list of seven things God hates. And in chapter 6, twice, lying is mentioned. God hates a lying tongue and a false witness who pours out lies. You see, lying may not bother us that much. It's just the way things have to be done sometimes, so we're told. Lying bothers God, I mean really bothers God. He hates it. And do I really want to be about doing something that God hates? Because lying is the opposite of who God is. It's the devil who's spoken of as a liar and a father of lies in, in John eight forty four. His deception is total break from reality. Deceit is the ultimate destroyer of good relationships and community. That's why Proverbs 26:28 says, "A lying tongue hates those it hurts." Why? Because lying destroys all certainty. When we lie, trust is broken. You cannot build trust and respect in a relationship when that certainty is destroyed. I mean, how close do you feel to someone who habitually lies? When the Apostle Paul called the church in Ephesus to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another, do you know the reason he gave for doing so? You'll find it in Ephesians 4:25. Jot it down. It's going to be on the screen here. It says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another. Why? He gives the reason. For we are all members of one body. Let's not miss this. A Christian community thrives where truth is told. We need to be able to trust each other's words for this church family to be stable and growing. Can this church family right here rely on what you say? Can they rely on what I say? Truth-telling pleases the Lord. See, truth-telling is not just this pragmatic option. You know, honesty is the best policy. Or we ought to shun lying because liars have to have better memories and one leads to the next, which is all true. But even more than that, we give ourselves to truth-telling because lying is a violation of God's character. It's an offense to the Creator God in whose image we bear. And church, it hurts our testimony as spokespeople of our Savior who is the truth. Hasn't the court of public opinion in the world called us phonies? Haven't they seen our sloppiness towards facts, uh, uh, finding that portrays Christians as unconcerned about truth? This should not be. We carry the message of truth. We represent a God whose words are always true. Let's not send mixed messages. A lying tongue destroys your credibility as a Christian. It was Edward Moreau who put it this way. He said, to be persuasive, we must be believable. To be believable, we must be credible. To be credible, we must be truthful. Everything we say is to be truthful. There should not be levels of truthfulness in your life. You kind of compartmentalize. Oh, this lie over here, that's not so bad. This one over here, I'd never do. Would you come up with that grading system? All right, let's wise up in honesty. All right, how? Let me give you two ways. There's two ways we can wise up in honesty. First of all, handle the truth about yourself. Handle the truth about yourself. Well, how do we do that? We need to look inside. And we look inside. Can we handle what we see in there? I mean, Jack Nicholson was kind of right when he says you can't handle the truth. (laughs) You can't unless we believe the gospel. Because God saw everything about you All the lies you told, the lie you lived, and loves you anyway. You can't handle the truth about yourself until you place that up to the cross. Because it's in Jesus whom we derive our identity. It is Jesus that determines who we are. Jesus paid the price so that we can be honest with ourselves. We've been set free from living a lie because of Jesus. Now, this is different than just being true to yourself. I mean, I understand some of that, but but it's a little different than just being true to yourself. So you actually believe something that is false. See, to be true to yourself, if what you actually believe in isn't true and right, it isn't the kind of truth that sets you free. It is God's truth. It's God's truth that sets us free, free from pretenses, free from the bondage of lies, free from being out of touch with reality, free from from defending our own image, free from that fear of being caught. See, we can now handle the truth about ourselves because our truth is who we are in Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we lie because we want to we want to secure and defend our identity, our image. No, 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 no. Our identity and our image is in Jesus. So now we can handle the truth about ourselves. All right, secondly, love the truth. Wise up in honesty, we need to love the truth. You see, the point isn't simply stop lying, but love the truth. It's really bottom line this morning. People of God love the truth. That means fact-checking. It's challenging in our culture to know what in the world to believe. We are being lied to in so many different directions it makes our heads spin. Church, don't check out. Think critically. Think critically. Don't believe everything you hear. Doesn't just apply to gossip, but to social media, to news, to editorials, to our favorite speaker. To so, some self-proclaimed expert on any given subject. Why do we check that? Why are we thinking critically? Because people of God love the truth. We love the truth. And while we may be skeptical, <laughs> it's rightly so, of all that we're being told on a regular basis, be assured that everything God says about life is true. He is the God who is truth. We serve a God who cannot lie. We serve a God who never says one thing and does something else. He never misleads us. He never misguides us. He never deceives us. He sent his son Jesus who came to this earth for a mission. It was to save lives. And he was true to that mission, right? Even when it was unbearable and excruciating, Jesus was faithful to that promise all the way to the cross. Will he not then keep all of his promises? You see, our God is a true and faithful God, and as followers of him, we should be truthful. We should love the truth and never sell out. Proverbs twenty three twenty three says, buy the truth and sell it not. If there's any commodity you need in life, it is truth. There ought to be no price, no price that you'd be willing to pay to have truth taken away from you. You might have seen the movie The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Now, I haven't seen the movie, nor am I recommending it. It might be a fine movie. What happens sometimes is I give an illustration from a movie and people go, Pastor Brian recommended that movie. No, 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 I'm not. I don't know it. Maybe I saw it. I don't, sometimes I forget. <laughs> Going back to Mark's thing, right? We might have seen it. But the family man with Nicolas Cage. There's this scene where Nicolas Cage, he walks into the store to buy something and, and Don uh, Cheadle plays the guy working at the counter. And there's a girl in line before Nicolas Cage. And she's buying something for 99 cents. And she hands Cheadle, the clerk, one dollar. Cheadle takes nine dollars out of the register and counts it out, giving her way too much change. She sees that he's handing her way too much money. Yet she keeps looking at it and doesn't do anything with it. She stands there and Cheadle asks her, is everything okay? Kind of giving her another chance to come clean. Yeah, yes, everything's fine. And she walks out the door with an extra $9 in her hand. Cheadle looks over at Nicolas Cage and he says, did you see that? Did you see that? She was willing to sell her character for $9. $9. Buy the truth and sell it not. You willing to sell out your character? Over what? Let's be people of truth. Let's love the truth. No matter what it costs us. Let's pray. God, all of this just brings us back to the truth that we need to hang on to this morning more than anything, perhaps. And that is, you are a God of truth, and you are faithful to every one of your promises. You're faithful to us, and what you say you're going to do, you will do. We might be skeptical of all that comes at us throughout any given week. But maybe not be skeptical of you and what your word tells us. For you never change in your character. You're always the same. The one who has given us his son, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Yes, you will. That is promise. You will hold to that. So as we sing this last song, great is thy faithfulness. May we ponder, may we think about how faithful you are, that we align ourselves with you, that we too are people who love truth and walk in truth in every aspect of our lives, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.